0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply finally i'd like to say this if
1: one day i'm called up to the big house if i'm called They'll have a funeral.
0: I want you to bury me face down. And then all of my critics can kiss my ass.
1: Happy New Year, everyone. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting. And welcome to our special Wednesday night show. We're going to get you all up to date on Raw and SmackDown from the last two nights. But Wei welcome to 2019 it is great to speak with you for the
0: first time this year oh likewise thank you john i'm happy to be in uh in in, and i think what 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 should be the best year in the history of years you think it will be sure why not i think it could be a top 10 what would you say is the the front runner right now best year of all time best year of all time yeah that i've been alive for or just in general uh, that you've been alive for. Sure. Um, 2017. Okay. Well, why? You? Why, though?
1: My son was born in 2017.
0: Oh, well, that's an actual sweet, very sweet answer. I thought you were going to say Omega Okada.
1: That happened in 2017 as that, well? I
0: thought that was going to be your reasoning. I'd be like, well, that's interesting. Uh, 19... Na- 19-
1: Ninety four. Um, because nineteen ninety four. Um, was there a video game that came out that year that was so persuasive that it immediately brings you back to that time? Probably. Was it the Undertaker
0: versus the Undertaker? Um, sure. Yeah, that's it. The other Omega Okada. Um, milestone. I would say. The other Okada
1: and Omega didn't have Leslie Nielsen trying to, uh, crack the case.
0: Uh I mean that would have been seven stars had had he jumped into that. How was your new year's? It's good. Good. Yeah. I, I had a bit of a get together. I may have um uh, gotten a bit drunk. Um Whoa. A wild night for Wei Ting. I was crazy. But I know that's quite the opposite from your New Year's. I'm curious, did, did the Chinese food come through this year?
1: It did. It came. Not not the best we've had on New Year's Eve, but better than last year's. So it was a positive. It was a win. Uh, I experimented with uh, – I I have this thing now of trying to make these drinks because uh, I went out – me and my wife went out for dinner the night prior. And we went to this uh, – we went to this uh, restaurant in the city uh, that Daniel Bryan would not approve of this place. I mean, it's just all different forms of meat. Antler. And, it was antler. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe well, there, you. Uh, there, there have been pro- did I tell you about that ahead of time or did you just n- guess that? No,
0: I guessed it because, I oh. mean, they, they're actually kind of known for being, uh, I guess, a little bit controversial, but I wouldn't even say so. But only because. Yeah, I think, th- I think protesters have gone there before. Yeah, which I think is ridiculous. And it's only served to make them more popular.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so. I heard about this afterwards. My wife was telling me about it, but I'm, I'm not going to apologize for enjoying meat. Of course not. So so I I went- what did you have? Um, we got, um, we we got like several, uh, dishes that came. We got the, uh, the risotto. That was uh, very good. We got, uh, the burger, which was, uh, great as well. What kind of meat? All, what kind of meat? Yeah. I mean, it was a burger. Yeah. but, But like, what animal? I don't know. Oh, okay. Not quite sure. I looked at the venison. I was very tempted to go venison, but I did not. But I did get this drink called a Spicy Rita, and it came, and it had a a jalapeno in it, and I thought this was the neatest thing ever. So I researched all these different drinks, and I tried to make one on New Year's Eve, and it came out pretty good. It was the first time I've had tequila in probably eight years. I was committed to trying this drink, and I said, you know what? It calls for tequila. I'm going to try it. And... I had to make some substitutions. I did not have orange juice. I had peach juice and I mixed it all together. It had all the lime juice goes into it. The jalapenos go in it and then you shake, add ice, some sparkling water. And this thing came out. I was like, this is really good. I was very proud of myself. Uh, that I-, I made this, this drink.
0: Well, I can't wait to try one next time we, maybe for a Wrestle Kingdom review. Can you, will you prepare one of these for me?
1: We're going to be doing that at about nine in the morning, so, so? Uh, we could try, maybe. Yeah. Are you excited for Wrestle Kingdom? Not so much what's going to happen on the show, but this is the show that's completely outside of my time zone and totally in yours. A 2 a.m. show where we will do a review afterwards at about 8, 9 in the morning. This seems tailor-made for you, unless you're uh sleeping habits have drastically changed since you now have a roommate.
0: Well they're really all over the place. I mean I, I kind of range, but but today certainly um I, I, I'm certainly um gearing myself up for that Japanese time zone. Uh I, I, I think I am excited for it. I I, I I to me like I function best uh in, in like the wee hours of the morning when everybody else is asleep. So um for whatever reason I think this is also the the, the part of the reason why I've pretty much seen every Ryzen card. Even though I've, I probably see more Ryzen shows than the UFC this year. Only because I happen to be awake during those those periods. And uh, I I don't know. I just I just function a lot better. So I am looking forward to it. 2 a.m. Is that when it starts?
1: 2 a.m. is when the pre-show begins. And that's going to
0: have the gauntlet. And then the show itself starts at 3 a.m. I look forward to it. I, I'm, I'm assuming this year. I think a lot of people will probably join in on the experiment. Well, that said, though, it is on a Friday, isn't it? Which is a work day. So I guess that might kind of hold some people back. But I, I like kind of like the, the crew of people that like stay up on Twitter and, and the people that, that that tend to interact during these kind of like uh, different time zone shows.
1: I'm preparing for this on Thursday. I'm going to try and sleep beforehand, knowing that I will be up all night. My big question is, which match
0: will require my first coffee? I'm thinking it's going to be right after Osprey Abushi. I'm guessing it'll be the first match of the of the evening. I imagine you'll have that pot running the entire time. It's gonna be a lengthy night, but should be a hell of a show. So, Way and I
1: will have a show live. If you are a Double Double Ice Cap or Espresso uh, Executive Producer, you can join us live whenever the show ends. Probably a half hour after the main event, we will be going live, and then the show will be up for all of our Patreon subscribers um, several hours after Wrestle Kingdom.
0: Yes, that's right. So again, uh, as always, uh, I think the uh, what we did last year was we had the Wrestle Kingdom review up uh, for all patrons. Uh, that'll be up, like as John said, as soon as we finish recording, processing, uploading. But if you're a $12 and up Double Double Ice Cap or Espresso patron, just to reiterate, you can get a live video stream of us recording it right as we... Right, uh, close to when the show ends because I have to make my way over to John's place. So maybe like give or take, you know, twenty minutes.
1: And then we will have a free show up Saturday after New Year's Dash. Yes. And are we going to call it New Year's Dash, or are we going to call it the way it is
0: pronounced or promoted as New Year Dash? Officially, like, have have there been any publications that this year say New Year Dash? Well, that's how New Japan
1: has always listed it. They always call it the singular, and I used to call it that. And then I just said, "No, I'm calling it New Year's Dash." I, but you, you are the unofficial style guide of post wrestling, <laughs> so I will, do, I will do what you instruct me to do. Way,
0: I personally tend to to go with how it's officially stated in in posters and prom- promotional items, um, even if it's grammatically incorrect. Can we add a comma, like New Year Dash? um we don't know if that's the intent although i I will say if we go by the way they promote it we have to add exclamation marks in there too new year How dash do do <laughs> new year dash we have to say it that way too okay
1: well every time we say the show we'll say it in tandem together that will be our unofficial exclamation point sure let's practice new year
0: dash, dash.
1: We Uh, will work on that. I'm excited. I'm sure it'll sound great at whatever hour we are recording that on Saturday. But that will be a free show, so you can look forward to that. Uh, Last thing on the Wrestle Kingdom front, uh, in a couple of hours, we will be dropping the final edition of Eggshells. It may already be up on the post-wrestling feed by the time you're listening to this. It is the series finale of Eggshells because there are no more years for Chris Charlton to cover. He started in 1989. He has matured. He went through those awkward teen years got into a uh deep depression in the early two thousands and then the stars aligned and we had a renaissance uh in Japan that has brought us to twenty nineteen and for the final show he is chatting last year's event featuring his colleague Kevin Kelly on the show.
0: Yeah I I, I think it's been quite the journey uh hearing Chris First of all, I mean, really, let's commend him for for the feat of finding a different partner for every one of these episodes and getting it up there in the midst of, you know, everything that else he, he's got going on in his life, but delivering 30 great episodes covering every single year of pro wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. And I guess by extension, in Japanese wrestling. So this past week, we released uh, an episode uh, on 2016 uh, with uh, uh, Joe Lanza, I believe, from Voices of Wrestling. Yes, yes. on Monday, he released an episode on 2017, of course, talking about John's favorite year, uh, Kenny Omega versus uh, Kazuchika Okada, and as well, uh, talking about DDT's empty arena match featuring Manu Suzuki versus uh, 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 Shinshiro Takagi. Uh, And he was doing that one with Michelle Kane, who is uh, quite the expert when it comes to uh, DDT and a number of other Japanese promotions. And yeah, finishing it all off tomorrow with... 2018 and kevin kelly which i uh, i've heard a bit of it it actually kind of reads a lot from the perspective of like i don't know if you realize this sean but the six people in the main events of last year's tokyo dome are also in the six people in this year's main main event yes and and yeah they're all just kind of mixing and matching so they're going to look back at last year's show and then talking about the year that was for the six top people which is you know kenny omega kazuchika okada tetsuya naito jay white Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Chris Jericho. So you can go check that out.
1: I actually marathoned through the last four uh, this week. So I have a lot of Chris Charlton in my head uh, going back. Uh, I caught up on all of them. So you can catch the last one with Kevin Kelly. And if you're, I don't know if you can actually do this in the amount of time before the Tokyo Dome starts. I guess you could go through all of them nonstop, especially if you increase the speed. You could probably blitz through all of them before the tokyo dome starts so that's a chore maybe try sure. that
0: yeah if
1: why not why not yes and your favorite years after that if we quiz you will be 1990 and 2013 the years of john pollock and maybe a nod to 2008 which wasn't a bad episode either Ah, oh,
0: that's right yeah. yeah uh
1: yeah and I, if- I think you guys could have redone it though i think there were a little <laughs> uh i wish you guys did one more take yeah it was sort of the lost year that, that was a lost uh, year, I which didn't. they refound uh, and had to go through the arduous process of redoing yeah. that that
0: show, which is never easy. Always double record, everybody. Uh, uh, but if you're looking for more content uh, uh, leading up to Wrestle Kingdom, of course, John, you, me, WH, we recorded a Wrestle Kingdom 13 primer on this feed, which you can scroll back to and uh, enjoy. I had a really great chat with the two of you. Thank you for letting me on this edition of Post Pro Rest. Is that the the correct pronunciation?
1: I don't know. It's a it's a very it's a it's a very um a word left for lots of interpretation. There are no my my experience.
0: There are no um, you know, there are no s's, no exclamation points. At least that's what you need to add to the title of that show. Exclamation points. Mm.
1: All right. Well, we have a lot to get into. We are going to catch you up on Raw and SmackDown. Might take one final look at Russell Kingdom at the end of this show, but. Uh, news-wise, uh, the biggest story today, of course, the passing of Mean Gene Okerlund, one of the most famous voices, I would say, in the last 40 years of professional wrestling, someone that uh, was part of numerous Hall of Fames, elected to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in 2016, uh, the voice of the AWA throughout the uh, the mid to late 70s into the 80s, then came to the WWF, uh, joined them in December of 83, was there for 10 years, was synonymous with their national expansion um as the guy that was right there attached at the hip of hulk hogan and every major star and then going to wcw in 1993 for the final eight years of his full-time run and then doing uh odd appearances and certain roles with the wwe over the last 16 17 years since wcw went out of business but uh, lots and lots of coverage on his passing today way someone that was very well known uh, whether you were a wrestling fan or just people
0: knowing who mean gene oakland was absolutely i mean i think among the mixed of of you know people on the on the level of a hulk hogan or randy savage um, i think mean gene is right up there as a household name uh, that that many people who grew up watching professional wrestling would immediately recognize whether by name or by voice or by image so um it's it's a it's um, you know, a very unfortunate for um passing, of course. And I, I'll say, you know, like going back and re-watching as many classic shows as we have over the years, it always, always stands out to me how good he is. Uh I don't think he's ever delivered, to my knowledge, a bad performance, even when the content is really bad. Uh Gene is always like somebody who's always had such a sharp wit. Uh, and, 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 it's very understated cause he's always had the role of playing the straight man, but as the straight man, he was so aware of what, of what was going on, how to react to things. Uh, and I would say, I think you have to really consider him the best ever in that part- particular role.
1: Yeah. I think when it comes to those that, you know, performed interviews, like the very best, Where Gene Okerlund, I think that Lance Russell was was very effective in that role as well. But I think many will look at Gene Okerlund because of just the volume that he was doing. Like, I didn't get to see as much of his AWA stuff, which some believe was his best work. When you put that into comparison from his WWF work. And I'm just amazed at how much he was doing when you're talking about the WWF expanding and going into so many different pockets of the country. And we're running upwards of three, four crews per night that you had to send market-specific promos to all of these places. And Okerlund was primarily the guy that was doing all of these. So when you were at TVs and when you were doing the promos, God knows how many promos that guy and interviews that guy was doing and having to have all of the information. If a guy slipped up, forgot the name, Okerlund would be there to, to catch the mistake and feed them the the name of the opponent if it slipped out. And I can only imagine the state that some of these performers Mm -hmm. might've been in as they had to go into a room and cut 30 promos in, in a row for all the different cities and make them unique and Oakland being able to play off of them or just have a little line to react that never to me overshadowed the promo. It was just like a nice little addition and it gave some personality and
0: flavor the right amount certainly yeah how many promos have we seen of guys that simply weren't that good but I think like with with Oakland framing the segment it often might save it but you know you talk about I think how much work they do it it might have something to do with how good he is the amount of repetition that the, the guy had to had to you know do in those early years and I think that extends to so many of the talent as well having to cut those localized promos every single week getting those reps in uh, certainly you know by the time I started watching him he was just incredibly seasoned and, and always a professional
1: yeah and then you know he went to WCW and you know at the time it was believed that the WWF was just not renewing his deal and going for just a more youthful look on their programming Oakland has kind of always maintained he had this great offer from WCW and it was just something that You know, it was kind of disputed on what the circumstances were. But he lands in WCW, and when he got there, uh, he was being represented by Barry Bloom, and they were able to work into his deal the 1-900 line that he became very familiar with in WCW, pitching to his hotline, and sometimes being extremely misleading. And, you know, he was financially attached to that hotline because he got a cut of it. So he was very much incentivized to just go out there— and just throw out headlines, no matter how misleading they may be, or however, to just drive people uh, to the hotline. And in WCW, they had their their own explosion in 97, 98, and Oakland was in the center of that as kind of the unofficial host of Monday Nitro. Where they would have him constantly on the ramp, in the ring, doing tons of interviews per show. And even towards the end of WCW, where they kind of put him into this old creepy man role where he'd just be you know stating things for shock value hitting on the women i mean he still was able to pull it off because he was gene okerlund and even at the time that wcw was just a mess he still somehow found himself in the midst of it all and then of course did the gimmick battle royal after wcw went out of business he did vintage collection which he later co-hosted with renee young and excess i think remember that and, and yeah did that as well um, and just popped up all over the place. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, sure... oh,
0: sorry. Confidential is what I meant.
1: Confidential. That's yeah. yeah. That that's right. He hosted that. I didn't even remember that that period that he was the host of that in two thousand two, two thousand three, which was a very unique show. And I always felt that Renee Young certainly learned a lot from Gene Okerlund because she, to me, has been the best in that role in years and years as someone that is much more than a lot of the. Robotic presentation that we get, which is kind of the the role that they want these backstage interviewers to be in, that they don't want them to be outward personalities that are going to stand out. And that's why I think Renee Young really um, found her niche in that role, being so different from what we were used to seeing in that era.
0: For sure. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I think it goes to say something that maybe you even recognize that about her in a time where uh like you mentioned you know those types of dancers aren't really trained to like convey that much unique individual personality
1: so gene Okerlund was 76 years old we do have a story up on the website that you can go read and lots of testimonials from guys uh in the industry many of who uh, many have grown up with gene Okerlund as you know the voice of the wwf for so many people and even beyond that uh, with the AWA. Nothing nothing about cause of death yet? No, nothing has come out yet. Um, At, the, know, time, over the, years, at the time
0: of this recording.
1: Yeah, so as we're talking on Wednesday night, have not seen a, a cause of death. He was at the, um, the Wrestlecade convention back in November. So he was traveling as recently as um, just over a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had had, I believe, two kidney transplants over the years and um, not really sure what kind of health he had been in. Uh, but I'm sure a cause of death will be revealed in the next day or so.
0: Him, him, um, and a uh, Super Dave Osborne. Yeah,
1: that's nonsense. right. They were the same, and age. both were the same age, yeah. 76. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a. I'll always know him more as a Super Dave than from Curb Your Enthusiasm, but uh, someone that had you know several chapters in his career.
0: Yeah, I'll, I I finally remember uh like like him, and and will remember him for both, but two very different roles. I'll say, but I love him on Curb. Uh, We
1: should talk about the big video that dropped uh, New Year's Eve. Everyone was counting down, and a video went up uh, to kick off 2019. Stranger Things Season 3 will be coming July the 4th. (laughs) I cannot wait. This was brilliant. They're releasing this at midnight. I didn't even watch Season 2. Well, there was also another video, uh, which they released 3 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so very much catering this to, to the West Coast audience. Uh, all Elite Wrestling made official that I think most anticipated uh, coming up, as well as the Double or Nothing follow-up event uh, to All In. And it looks like the latest, uh, they put out a photo that we have Cody, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, SCU, Brandy, all attached to this. It is being reported that Tony Khan will serve as the president and the executive vice presidents will be Cody and the Young Bucks. Uh, TV situation is to be determined and they're scheduling a rally for next Tuesday outside of the stadium where the Jacksonville Jaguars play Tuesday at 5 p.m. just several hours before Smackdown will go live in Jacksonville and they are promoting all of those names will be at the rally as well as, Some special guests, which I guess will be left for uh, speculation. How perfect is that? How did that work out the way it did?
0: Man.
1: Yeah. So I guess the next big question is the TV situation. Uh, Dave Meltzer has reported that there are several offers out there, and that's going to be a major question is what what size of a television outlet are they going to have and – how much will they be paid for this? Because that's that's enormous. That's a must that they have something sizable and significant.
0: Absolutely. You know, I mean, I I, I mean these rumors I think are, have always been out there uh, for the past several, like maybe a month now. If I think
1: I... since the trademark filings, I yeah. think everyone realized this was coming into place, but or, or into position. But there's yeah. still many questions, Certainly. Uh, yeah. and a lot of them attached to Wrestle Kingdom that are
0: either going to accentuate.
1: Uh, questions or kind of uh maybe even answer some
0: yeah to me like i think you know aside from what where they land in terms of tv obviously uh the kenny omega situation i think is still maybe somewhat unclear um i i think also maybe their attachment to new japan is is also to be determined um chris jericho jericho as well yeah i've heard um you know through some of the conversation that how do you think roh looks back at their involvement in All In and whether or not they are regretful about helping out with that show as much as they did. Do you feel like there are any feelings like that, just from, from your perspective?
1: I don't think that there would be... I wouldn't I wouldn't say regret, because if ROH, ROH had the power to stop them from doing that show, and if they had, it's guaranteed those guys are leaving, and they're leaving on bad terms, I would say. So I feel ROH doing that show. I don't see it as a as a negative. Uh, they weren't going to stop this from happening. There is another active competitor expected in the U.S. market in 2019, and I think that was happening uh, regardless of that. Because if not, you've painted ROH as the bad guys, and then All In is not happening in September. It's happening at a later date and is probably going to be an even bigger deal because it's it's the launch. So I, I can't say that you're regretful um, if you're ROH for assisting them in the way they did. And I'm certain that uh, whatever went down, I think that there's a lot of gratitude towards ROH that they were so accommodating for that show and also were very instrumental in how that show was run that night.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be curious to see, you know, what type of working relationships that that I'll, we'll will try to uh, forge with with other companies. Um I, I, you know, again, like we, we all speculated, you know, about, about how big this was going to be. I think knowing that Tony Khan is attached to it, we know that the person behind them has a big pocketbook. And, uh, it, depending on how much money they can make in return with a TV deal, uh, it's, we could be looking at a legitimate number two or number three in North America.
1: Well, how are your, how have your feelings changed regarding Tuesday Night
0: Dynamite. I still hate it. I think it's it's a really <laughs> shitty name. I would consider it uh reconsider it. I'm not so stoked on All Elite Wrestling either, but I mean, you know, these are words I guess at this point that are synonymous with this group. Um whatever. It's it's a name doesn't really make the promotion. Even if they did call it Tuesday Night Dynamite, which again, I'm not that big of a fan of, I'll still tune in, you know? It's not really make or break.
1: Yeah. And you could argue that the elite branding is among the most um the strongest branding uh, among the most strong branding in wrestling at the moment outside of a WWE or WrestleMania
0: yeah i mean what they have going for them that other companies don't is just you know i think the goodwill of the audience and a proven track record of delivering great entertainment uh it, whether it be in the, it be in the form of being the elite or matches that have been you know the talk of most wrestling circles uh, for, for several years now. So yeah, any any guesses, uh, further guesses as to maybe where the location might be for Double or Nothing?
1: Uh, it, just sheer guesses. I, I don't think running Chicago is the worst idea. Uh, again, uh, I think it's a very easy to access destination point. You have the pro wrestling tees right there in the backyard. Um, but there's also the argument that you could take this to many different destinations. Um given that you would anticipate that they're going to have uh, a US television presence by then, I don't know if the idea of going to the UK this year would be the choice to make even though I think they would do enormous business if they went to the UK for an all-in follow-up, but um that could be something maybe where you can stage some shows later in the year. Um Chicago, Toronto, you know, California is is going to be kind of your your most likely destinations uh points i would i would guess maybe new york is not where you want to go so close to you know having wrestlemania weekend that maybe ah but you know the whole story of of this has been the fact that they have been able to buck all these other uh traditional rules like running labor day weekend sounds insane and that hardly prohibited their success in any way
0: in hindsight i think it, it was a good move You know, like having having that little uh, three day weekend for people to look forward to. Um, I'm curious to see if they have any involvement in Mania weekend in New York. I mean, the fact that they've announced the promotion at uh, January 1st and the fact that we know a number of people already signed tells me that they are going to plan something. I'm really excited to see what they do at this press conference. Uh, I imagine it'll be, you know, similar to another type of. I don't know, uh, crusade, invasion type of type of deal, but uh, we'll see. The turnout will be tremendous with that, with the SmackDown crowd.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, uh, it's going to be an, uh, a much, much bigger version of what they did in Ontario, California, Mm -hmm. where they did the little DX invasion with a cameo from Jimmy Jacobs. All right, so those are the major uh, news items going on, and we have Raw
0: and SmackDown to talk about from the last two nights. Before we move on, I, I forgot to mention, uh, up next, of course, this week, they've got a big week, too, because tomorrow they have their regular edition of the show, but on Saturday, Brayden and Davey will be releasing their best and worst of. I believe they uh, we initially announced that, that that show might come out on Wednesday, but because of the of New Year's and uh, Brayden and Davey getting so caught up with work, and I'm sure many other activities, Uh, They are going to release this one on Saturday. So subscribe to Up Next and you'll get two shows this week.
1: All right. And while we're at it, Sunday will be a special bonus edition of Rewind Away where we are chatting ECW Massacre on 34th Street. A show that we will try and get to the bottom of as to why this was a choice.
0: I find it a very interesting choice, especially as a follow-up to One Night Stand. You know, we got to see like the the rebirth and then we got to see sort of the tail end of oh this this is the end this is
1: we've got terminal cancer by December two thousand people yeah. are owed tons of money people are not working the show because they're owed so much money uh the talent is way behind on pay and they produce a show like this is the ver- this is the penultimate pay per view for this company so it is uh but same location Hammerstein Ballroom as mm-hmm. one night stand
0: yeah and then on Sunday night while we're at it John. We have another show, don't we? Isn't isn't Impact oh Impact Jesus on
1: Sunday? Let me talk about this Impact pay per view. Okay,
0: sorry, Maybe I, I cannot,
1: it. I cannot recall <laughs> a pay per view that is so off the radar than this homecoming pay per view. I just, Sunday. I just saw it on my. There stick. is zero, there is zero discussion, and it's it's unfortunate because I look at this card; it's a very good card. On Sunday, but I think me and Nate Milton may be representing like twenty five percent of the people buying this show on Sunday.
0: Well, on the same weekend as Wrestle Kingdom, um, it's gotten Wrestle Kingdoms has just just gotten so big that it's it's going to be tough to kind of you know
1: climb, so this, climb over that mountain. This is the new normal for Impact. You're right. Like they are going to be off the map on the Pursuit Channel, mm. and that's that's just the reality of things. I. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, more that will c- come up on Sunday, but we're covering this pay-per-view on Sunday. Myself and Nate Milton uh, chatting homecoming. All right. Are you excited to talk about raw?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: All right. Let's go through Monday's show, which was taped on Friday in Detroit. Uh, we had drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler in a steel cage match. This was the, the destruction of Dolph Ziggler. Um, Ziggler got several hope spots in this, uh, but Drew kicked out of a Famouser, kicked out of the zigzag, and as Ziggler is setting up for a super kick, he gets nailed with the Claymore kick, as Michael Cole calls this the most devastating maneuver in WWE today, and then he hits a second one, pinning Ziggler, and uh, first of all, I I thought the cage match was all right, I thought it was, um, this was getting Drew McIntyre back on track, it's almost as though December was this lame duck month and now it's it's royal rumble season and we are going to heat up drew and this was the definitive end of this feud
0: it confused me why they even took that little detour for drew he was on such a i don't know upward moving path and then all of a sudden the guy loses to to ziggler of all people and for what benefit just to squeeze a few matches out of it to to do this what cage match made no sense to me i think uh if this was the end of this feud uh perplexing i would have to say uh you know i'm with you i thought the match was good i think you could always expect you know these two talents to deliver but there's just something about this combination that i'm already just so sick of and i don't even know if these two have had us how many match singles matches these two have had before but i think just seeing the, the combination of the two of them in a raw ring i think just it doesn't really hold my attention all that well the match ended up being very good i thought the superplex off the top of the cage looked really impressive I think Drew's taunting and yelling mid-match was also really good. Um, but I, I don't know. There's just something that makes me feel like, oh man, the 20-minute match is a bit of a, a bit long for, for me personally.
1: Ziggler is still yelling from the ring. If that's is that all you've got? And McIntyre got a chair, attacked him, hit a claymore to the chair into Drew into Dolph's head. He called himself the King of the Raw Jungle. And that Dolph was dead weight, this chapter is closed, and now it's time to prove he's the king of the WWE and win the Royal Rumble, fulfilling his destiny. He goes back into the ring, Ziggler is seated in the chair, he takes another Claymore kick, um, and that was the end of Dolph Ziggler, who is probably just going to fade back into his old role, minus Drew McIntyre by his side.
0: Perhaps, yeah. You know, I I don't expect Drew to win the Royal Rumble, but I think he'll be one of the people that'll be booked to look very strong in it. So if you're gearing up for those pools, I would have him pretty high up there for eliminations.
1: Where do you see Drew McIntyre today for WrestleMania?
0: Oh, man, I I like this. I'd highly have to sit down with a spreadsheet. Um, trying to think who, who there really is for him on the Raw side of things. I think Rollins will be taken up with... Somebody like Lesnar, yeah, like that's that would be my pick. I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but i he did kind of make mention as we'll talk about later with Seth Rollins. But could you could you see them going to to Drew and Kurt Angle? I could see it. I I could also actually because I, I I don't see that baby
1: face that if you're not putting Drew in a title position, I don't know who that big baby face is on Raw. Ron. Yeah, I just
0: I I don't even know if Kurt is going to be on WrestleMania, seeing the way that they've treated him, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Although, like, but but yeah, Angle was the guy that Drew murdered, right? So if if they want to tell that comeback story, they can always go back there.
1: Although Kurt's come back and not even referenced that. Mm -hmm. Like you would think that that was the time that he's got to come back with a renewed spark after that humiliating loss, and instead he hasn't even addressed it. So it kind of takes away any of the urgency of that program if you were going to go that way but yeah for all we know he could end up with braun perhaps shane and hunter arrive in a limo and shane is just being so aggravating dancing around hunter you just wanted hunter to smack this guy in the head finn Balor, we got a bunch of last year we got the or last week we got the uh what everyone wants for christmas this week it was what was everyone's new year's resolution
0: Vince, sorry I just want to say, I'm kind of hoping that all these guys got to shoot both things at the same time, because so it would suck to fly all the way here just to do this. Finn's resolution is to win the title again. Ember Moon's is to
1: show everyone the Sheenom is more than a nickname. The Ascension, uh, Victor's resolution was to bring back the Fashion Files, but Connor said, no, it's to win the tag titles. And Lucha House Party just says 2019 is the year of Lucha House Party.
0: Done and done. Yeah, some of these turned out well. Others are just um, very... Which ones turned out well? I missed them. Shelton Benjamin.
1: Did Shelton have one? On SmackDown. I totally missed it, so that's why you're here. Seth Rollins came out. He said that every Monday is like a new year because there's a chance for a fresh start. Did you catch that term on this show? Fresh start?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I might have heard it in passing. Oh,
1: man. I was... My head hurt from being hit over... The entire show with it. The Fresh wants a Start rematch. Era. The Fresh Start Era. Yeah. Uh, he wants a rematch with Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental title. Calls him out, but instead Hunter comes out and nothing is going to be handed out to anyone. Rollins' automatic rematch is not happening. He's not sure Rollins deserves one. Hunter says he was Rollins' most vocal supporter, and Rollins just cuts him off because he calls that bullshit. Hunter says, you made me believe He says that when I stop believing, you kicked my ass at WrestleMania, I want to know where that guy is. Rollins says, have you been watching Raw? Of course not, our numbers have been in the toilet. I've been carrying this show for the last year while Brock Lesnar's off in Saskatchewan. And I've been here churning out classics with Finn Balor, Dolph Ziggler, and Mojo Rawley. Who he added, of all people, Mojo. He asks if Hunter wants the ruthless bastard. Hunter says, yes, I want you to burn it all down. And this leads to a match being set up between Rollins and Bobby Lashley. And I just thought that this is the verbatim angle they're doing on SmackDown with Vince McMahon and AJ Styles. Absolutely. Yeah. no, Like, identical. Yeah. I was just waiting for Rollins to strike Hunter, and he's orgasming on the on the mat like Vince did last week backstage this was so painfully similar
0: well I mean I think it, it, it it's indicative of, of maybe what where their heads are as it relates to this fresh start stuff fresh start I guess means a McMahon motivating uh, uh a, a, a a sort of upper tier but not necessarily headlining talent uh, to reach their potential I I could accept it, I think, with Vincent AJ. But for Hunter to be in this role with Seth Rollins, I really didn't like it at all. Um, I thought it kind of, you know, uh, discounted maybe a lot of their prior history. These two should be, like, just, they should be fighting each other. And I don't think, you know, having Hunter in this motivational role, uh, yeah, I just, I'm not a big fan of it.
1: It goes to what I think has grown into my, my biggest complaint of the tone of this show is Still, especially baby faces, it's weak with heels, but it's even worse with baby faces that the underlying motivation is to impress the bosses, yeah, yeah, I just don't think you get behind a baby face like that that Rollins is out there to seek Hunter's approval, whether it be implicit or not, and the same with a j on Smackdown. I don't think a baby face wants to rally behind that motivation,
0: mhm, I'm still. Somewhat unclear about you know what the role of somebody like a Triple H or Vince McMahon is. I think I can. I know Vince is probably you know babyface, but Hunter, uh, yeah. I mean, last we saw, like he and Steph were like pretty like they were the the lead heels on on these shows. So what is their role right now? Are they? Oh, it's neutral? a fresh start. Fresh start. None of that matters.
1: So they're all neutral. Okay. Shane popped out to announce, I kid you not, a fresh start battle royal that was coming up next, where everyone was going to get a fresh start at the new year to get an intercontinental title match later in the show. Seth Rollins, not qualified to be part of this battle royal. He is not at the level of a Tyler Breeze or a Rhino. hmm yeah. Nor was Lashley. I'd be pissed if I was Lashley. Why, why aren't I in this match? Well, he's got uh, bigger fish to fry. Our battle royal consisted of Finn Balor, No Way Jose, The Lucha House Party, The Ascension, Mojo Rawley, Titus O'Neil, Apollo Crews, Zack Ryder, Curtis Axel, Curt Hawkins, Bo Dallas, Tyler Breeze, Baron
0: Corbin, and Rhino. So, I mean, just kind of going back to my point about, you know, uh, maybe the ambiguity of, of Triple H's role. Balor comes out and beats Hunter on the ramp. And Hunter two sweets Balor. So, again, uh... I don't, like, isn't this dude, is he, is he NXT Hunter or is he Raw Authority Hunter? He's
1: Paul. He's not Hunter right now. He'll be Hunter in a few weeks when he has a Mania program. Right now he's Paul. He's Uncle Paul.
0: Got it. Because, you know, we've seen on on these two shows, Hunter very much take more of that, uh, you know, NXT Performance Center role where, uh, like in this situation, making on-screen reference that he is somewhat uh, tied to uh, Finn Balor and also Asuka on SmackDown.
1: So this whole match was designed to make Apollo Cruz shine. He got to showcase his athleticism and dump out eight guys in this match. It came down to the fearsome final four of Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, Baron Corbin, and Apollo Cruz. Uh, with Corbin eliminating Balor as one of the big eliminations near the end, and Corbin sent Ryder out. Corbin then laughed at Hawkins. They did the Benoit Big Show spot with the. Guillotine over the top, but Corbin stopped it, knocking Hawkins to the floor, and then two insiguries by Cruz took out Corbin, and Apollo Cruz wins the match. I like the idea that they had one singular focus to uh, spotlight in Apollo Cruz, and they made him look very impressive in the match.
0: Certainly. That was a really pleasant surprise, the fact that we were getting any type of, you know, real push, it seems, on this show for Apollo. And I say, you know, like, let's... A one-hour push. A one-hour a still push. push. <laughs> yeah but still maybe the biggest he's had on the main roster really like i can't think of another you know like he's it's it's not a dana book brook relationship type of angle at least how how long has he been on the main roster wait two years right two years three coming up on three wow yeah what a waste of time like th- this is man in in his physical prime and man they've really i think dropped the ball on him but I'd like the battle Royal. I thought it was entertaining. I thought all the spots with Hawkins like totally worked for this crowd. Crowd seems to really like him as an underdog. So he's definitely got something. I also thought Corbin was used effectively here. He, I mean, he is number one, I guess, most disliked person on the show right now. And they use that effectively here uh, as an antagonist for, you know, people like Apollo.
1: Yeah. Cole said that Corbin put the show in the toilet and Renee said that he sunk the ratings. Yeah. I hope they didn't take a look at these Christmas and New Year's numbers.
0: Yeah, or the segment-by-segment breakdowns.
1: Yeah, there was no mention of the ratings uh, these weeks. Charlie interviewed Cruz. He's looking for a fresh start. Dasha was with Natalia. And recap, I believe this was Dasha. This could have been someone brand new. I don't quite know if it was Dasha. It was Dasha. It was Dasha. Okay, she looked a bit different. Uh, but that goes to show that this is not uh, the era of any mean genes uh, popping up anywhere. Uh, Natalia recapped her loss to Ronda Rousey and mentioned this year losing her dad, but she was also part of the Evolution pay-per-view. Her and Ronda pushed each other to their limits, and she can't wait to do it again at WrestleMania because she's entering the Royal Rumble. Nia walks in, and then they attacked her with Tamina and were broken up by Jamie Noble and Adam Pearce. And they asked, where's your best friend now? So we got our main event tag match for later involving these four. Mm-hmm. Baron Corbin's still in the ring. He's complaining that my job was so hard that I'm wondering if that was a, a playoff of the Jimmy Jacobs line about writing raw is so hard. I wonder. Hmm. I thought that that was a coincidence. Maybe he said he had to deal with egos sponsors, the McMahons. He deserves a reward and Elias appeared he, again, did his, he gets in his heel lines about Detroit, but then gives ownership of those lines to Corbin for the heat. But Elias spoke to his good friend Kid Rock and said, this city is on the rise. It's making a comeback. And he sang a song for Detroit until the two brawled throughout the crowd into the equipment and ended with Renee stating that Elias is trying to tune the life button of Baron Corbin. And Graves called her on
0: this for being just a ridiculous line. <laughs> Tune the life button. Where where do you buy life buttons? What do they sound um, like? Uh I have no idea. Uh but Baron's got a life one. A life button, okay. Alright. They're they're certainly getting a lot of mileage out of this Baron Corbin, you know, by having him in, in segment heating up all their baby faces. Then we
1: had more resolutions. AOP And Drake Maverick. I'm sure they had lots of New Year's resolutions. I'm going to hold in my piss this year. Maverick actually tweeted something out stating, I pissed myself this year with a photo of it. He's just owned it. Sure. Good for him. They're going to inflict pain and become more brutal and more barbaric until they win the tag titles. And uh, this act was pretty brutal in 2018. So I hope they're not more brutal this year for their sake. And it ended with a balloon being popped. Yeah. So, so yeah. maybe they're they're taking notes from Okada. Hmm. Sure. Riot Squad. Their resolution is to apply pressure so that the other people break. Gotcha. Zack Ryder wants to have more matches on Raw. No way Jose is not going to worry about 2019. Just enjoy life
0: we're going to apply more pressure <laughs> so that other people break yep yeah this was
1: what resolutions do you have a new year's resolution it was that same thing actually i think i'm going to you're going to apply more pressure so other people break yeah what a what a horrible thing to wish for <laughs> like it doesn't do you any better it's just hurting others like you're not any better you're applying more pressure I'm going, to be, I'm going to be more of an asshole so other people fail.
0: I think that's a pretty hard act to maintain for the duration of the entire year. Yeah. More mustard on locker room doors.
1: Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ember Moon took on the Riot Squad. They talked about Sarah Logan's wedding, her Viking wedding, to Ray Rowe. Uh, that included Logan eating a deer heart which they did not serve at antler to the best of my knowledge
0: yeah would it, you eat a deer heart i think it would it would be somewhat dependent on how it was prepared like if it was like if you're telling me like you know this this expert chef specifically prepared portions of deer heart mixed in this like beautiful whatever casserole i might try it a little
1: bit i i would definitely try it
0: yeah Like, if you cooked it?
1: No. If I cooked it? Not a chance. Okay. Well, Jesus. I don't think I've ever served you bad food. I don't think that was a necessary insult. But I guess you're applying pressure on me so that my hopes of being a renowned chef in 2019 have broken. So I'm not even going to try now. Sure. Michael Cole called Liv Morgan a juvenile. Graves came back stating, you can't be a juvenile if you're over the age of 18. And Cole just said, it's just a saying, Corey. Ugh. My worst announced team of 2019, the front runners. I won't spoil it. That should be a category. We just had worst announcer. Yeah, maybe worst team is in the uh, the running for next year. We can adop- adopt that, uh, just the entire team. Ugh, just aggravating. Anyway, Moon dove to Morgan. Riot came off the floor uh, into the turnbuckle. There was a blind tag. Bailey and Banks double teamed. Logan it was a backstabber. Top rope elbow. Bailey pinned her.
0: I actually enjoyed this match. To me, it felt like, you know, just an old school tag team match with, you know, heels cutting off the baby faces. And I thought the Ride Squad really, like, at this point, have become really great together. with The three of them, you know, working, uh, employing a lot of triple team maneuvers. I think, you know, uh, over the year, Liv has really kind of become a lot more comfortable in ring. And, uh, yeah, they, like, they've like they really put over how united these three are, that they're the closest stable in all of the WWE and you can start to somewhat see it now developing their in-ring as well. So it gives me hope for whatever women's Titan division that they have planned.
1: Showed a video of all of Braun's crazy stunts this year. Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley. Leo cut a promo that everyone will kiss Lashley's butt. And tells him to go to the ring and dominate. Lashley got the heat as Rollins was sent to the floor. Then he came back, hit his two suicide dives... And then went after Leo Rush, who was just they they do the cat and mouse spots
0: now, which uh, doesn't work. Leo, yeah, it's, Leo, it's such a babyface act that uh, it does not work with him being a heel manager against Seth Rollins. I think it just ends up making Rollins look stupid or like a heel.
1: Yeah, I mean, Leo can do all these you know dives and stuff, and the first week they did it, people were amused by it, but but it was a total babyface thing, wasn't it? Well, now it's it's just, it's nothing. Uh, they just don't react at all to it. It's just, yeah, for that very reason. I don't think they have any reason to cheer. And it's just, yeah, not exactly connecting. So Rollins grabbed a chair out of frustration and attacked Lashley. So he was disqualified because Rollins has snapped. He's changed. Dare I say, he's an animal. He's burning and, it down. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so he continues attacking Lashley with the chair he announces state. He has not been the same since he lost the title. And it seems that they are building towards a rematch with Dean Ambrose. At some point, um, you would you would peg Rollins to be one of the front runners for the Rumble match. So I wouldn't be doing that match at the Rumble. Although you could do both. You could potentially have Rollins do double duty at the Rumble. It's a long enough show and you will need. And it's not uh, it's, it's Rollins. It's
0: it's the Iron Man, right? Well,
1: the the idea of Rollins going in number one or number two is certainly there to mm. do that story. Although I feel in recent years they've kind of exhausted that story of the person kinda going start to finish well, live at the end. With men's and
0: women's rumbles, yeah. You, you you kinda you can run out of those tropes pretty quickly now.
1: He took out Leo Rush with the stomp and, and that was that.
0: I did I didn't think this whole thing made wrongs look good at all i know they're trying to like come up with uh, ideas to show a different side of him a more angry side of him but uh i think having him uh, not be able to, to to chase around the heel manager and then disqualifying himself by using chairs um not not really the way i think i, w- I would use to promote your top baby
1: face john cena and his hair are going to be on raw next week in orlando Heath Slater and Rhino took on Jinder Mahal and the Sings, very short match the Sings prevented the gore from happening so Jinder then super kicked and hit the Colossus to get the pinfall in his hometown, of course oh that's right, yeah, this was to Rhino welcome back yeah and then Rhino got on the mic and he said
0: Jinder, I'm gonna fucking kill you (laughs)
1: Oh wait, that was the other uh, Rhino promo I saw this week.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was 20, 18 years ago. It's amazing. They're two. So, they're so different people. Well, no, I, I would say it's amazing that the fact that Rhino's still wrestling. You know, uh, of of that ECW show from the year two thousand that we're about to talk about. He's the only guy who's still active, at least on, on in the WWE and and on this week's edition of Raw, no less. So huh. the man's really been around for a long, long time. Yeah, I guess so yeah but you know to have him lose in detroit uh, i guess it is what it is, but yeah, know. he got his job back last week. that was his big moment, but you couldn't now, have I... pinned one of the Sings here and then had 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 the heels beat him or down had ginger or had ginger pinned Heath, yeah,
1: no, uh, it's not a lot, not like Heath has to be protected for anything. yeah, we'll see. Dean cut a promo from the boiler room. Everyone's talk about fresh starts. he doesn't need one said Rollins didn't look well out there. And he's going to make sure that Apollo Cruz's fresh start has a rotten end. His I hate, promos are not doing it
0: for him. Dude, me. They, uh, man. I've found all of his heel promos thus far quite disappointing. Ranging from really bad to just simply disappointing. And, uh, and in this case, I would just say it was a pretty forgettable one. You know, I don't get scared when I listen to this guy. I just find him somewhat obnoxious and not in a good way.
1: Gable and rude. Their new year's resolution is to make the tag division glorious. And they're going to defend the tag titles against the revival next week. The revival, their resolution is to bring credibility back to the tag division and win the titles. Bailey and Sasha, they're going to win the women's tag titles
0: in the new year. Good luck to all of them with those goals.
1: Make the tag division glorious, add credibility and, and Bailey and Sasha winning the women's tag. titles. Well, they'll do
0: that. I'm sure they'll at least win.
1: We come back and Graves asks Renee, what are Dean's resolutions? And Renee just get, does the big eye roll. And we didn't even have to see her to know. Dean Ambrose, Apollo Crews for the IC title. Graves said that Apollo grew up idolizing Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage as intercontinental champions. Which I was curious if the math works out on that one, and I know we have the magic of VHS, but Apollo Crews was born in the summer of 1987, after both these men had had their IC title reigns. (laughs) So, I'm going to call BS on that one. You can appreciate from afar, but don't tell me you grew up idolizing two people that were champions before
0: you were even born. No, that's a good call.
1: It's like you growing up idolizing Bob Backlund as the WWWF champion.
0: Yeah, you'd have to quiz him on that. Maybe from the womb he was... Well, I guess that wouldn't even work. Hmm. That doesn't even cover you know, most of
1: Savage's run. True. Even from the womb. Uh, Cruz hit a standing shooting star press for a two-count. Ambrose is just bumping all over the place, escaping covers. And then Cruz missed a frog splash, got hit with the dirty deeds ambrose pinned apollo cruz and the fresh start ended
0: yeah really unfortunate because i i would say like this entire episode was fantastic for apollo cruz it made me really hopeful that they were finally going to take this guy seriously who knows you know maybe this was a start of something and you know at the very least i think he has a bigger presence on the show now and hopefully next week as part of this fresh start he will start to have more promos more storylines and more chances to exhibit his uh incredible physical abilities like he did in this match this match was like 90 percent apollo cruz and it was uh to me a tremendous showcase a lot of guys can do the same moves that apollo cruz does but cruz does everything with such incredibly clean execution for somebody as big as he is whether if it's high flying or if it's power maneuvers i thought in this match he was able to show a, a really healthy range of what he's able to do
1: maybe he needs to have uh A chat with dad and that killer instinct can be unlocked. Maybe that's what's holding him
0: back. I I think he could only pray for a role like that. Yeah, he'll get slapped by Vince.
1: Alexa Bliss is going to be debuting her own talk show, A Moment of Bliss, next week. And her guest will be Ronda Rousey and said that Ronda may be a fan of Roddy Piper, but
0: next week she's not going to be slumming it in some pit. Are you concerned that we haven't really had too many updates on on her health? No, I
1: feel that with Alexa, it sounded like she was going to be put into the general manager role until they just threw everything out the window. And I think they're just looking at putting her into kind of a non-wrestling role for now. Um, But I mean, she had been starting to uh, train back at the performance center. She just hadn't get gotten a full clearance is what it sounds like. Uh, but I I get the sense that they wanted to kind of put her into this role for now instead of just ha- having her wrestle every week. And I can't say that's the worst idea um, mm. when you have someone like Alexa. But, I mean, yeah. certainly there are, you, you know, you're naturally going to have concerns when it's it's been a couple of, you know, issues that she's had
0: yeah but i think she'll be effective in this role you know the the truth is you know with Rhonda, i think being as tied up as she is with becky and charlotte there might not, not even be that much of a role for alexa in ring right now in the lead up to mania so maybe this isn't the worst thing
1: yeah uh, you know she's a she is a great talker but we have also seen her in those segments of you know the it, it has to be you know those open forum segments die to death yeah. of course we had the this is your life so I think understanding, like, not throwing her out there for 10 minutes um, would be valuable. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have this just sink, but I'm certain that they're going to have this carefully laid out. Ronda Rousey and, first of all, they announced Brock Lesnar for next week as well. So they're going to have Cena on the show, Lesnar on the show, Braun Strowman is returning, tag title match, and the Alexa Bliss interview with Ronda Rousey was all announced for next week's show in Orlando. Ronda Rousey and Natalia against Nia Jax and Tamina. Rousey immediately is throwing Tamina all over the place, rolls for an armbar, and Jax is able to escape. Renee says that we have always known that Natalia is the best of the best, but we don't always get to see this spark from her. It's like she is not technically the best of the best on this show. We proved last week that she is. Maybe one of the best, but she is not the best. Well, with the caveat that she is
0: technically the best, meaning what? She's the best technical wrestler?
1: What does that mean if you got uh, submitted by another woman last week? Mm,
0: She knows the most techniques.
1: All right, well, (laughs) how do you prove this? You have a competition.
0: Yeah, I don't even know. I'd argue that I don't even know if she's the best technical wrestler at the moment, but okay. Rousey has now made the high
1: cross to the floor part of her repertoire. I guess watching her Tanahashi tapes. They got the heat on Natalia for a while, but then she escaped the Samoan drop, tagged in Rousey, did the flying knee, jumping elbow, and then got hit with a military press by Jax. Tamina then super kicked Rousey and got rolled for an armbar that Jax stopped with a leg drop. Natalia took out Jax with the discus clothesline and then was super kicked by Tamina. Tamina went for the splash, landed badly on the knees of Rousey, and Rousey just went to the armbar, tapping out Tamina.
0: I've really enjoyed the match. You know, like in terms of I would say again, maybe not the most technically proficient of, of all the matches on this show, but to me it was the most exciting. And I think a lot of that comes down to the great energy anytime Ronda Rousey is in the ring. You're already excited to see her, or at least I am, because you know, of her great star power. But then she brings this amazing intensity in her pace, in her facial expressions, and in her very unique good-looking moveset that I think just totally amplifies that whole package. I think her hot tags have become really good. She's built up, like, a really nice repertoire of moves now, consisting of, you know, those flurries of strikes, some judo throws, and that standing shining wizard, which I think is is looking a lot better and getting good reactions every time she's been doing them. So, uh, you know, in less than a year of her being on TV, man, like, let's keep in mind, like, she debuted at Mania last year, so not even, like, a, a whole year. I think her improvements have already been very considerable And I would say to me, she's the most exciting wrestler, at least on the raw side of things right now, uh, in, in the women's division to watch.
1: And I would also say that these TV matches, especially the ones of late are better indicators of her progression, because these are obviously not matches that she has the ability to work out in advance, like the big pay-per-view matches do that. I almost think that the, the pay-per-view matches, it's one thing to applaud. She's able to execute this and that's, that's, you know something to commend her for but these are matches that are having much less preparation especially last week's that had no bill no preparation before it and i would imagine this one very similar uh to see where she's progressing to and i'll say that tamina kind of stood out to me in this match like just seemed to be uh, not on the same page at all times but i feel that ronda and Nia Jax just have a very good chemistry together
0: Hmm, i think there's something about you know Ronda being able to throw somebody who's so much physically bigger than she is. And then, you know, applying those really cool looking armbar transitions. um, I imagine maybe, you know, Naya, somebody who even uh, if she were to rough somebody up, uh, Ronda seems, you know, durable enough that she'd be able to take a lot of what, what they, what she was giving. So uh yeah, I'm trying to think of like a better opponent that Naya's had in the WWE. I don't think she's had a better opponent. I, I she certainly didn't... didn't have these kinds of
1: matches with Alexa. She didn't with you know Bailey, with Sasha. Um, to me, this has been uh, I know Naya had a very good match, I thought in on uh, the takeover special in England several years ago, but with uh, who? nothing at, at with Bailey. Um, I feel that you know the two pay-per-view matches with Rhonda have been very good this year. I agree.
0: so was this a fresh
1: start edition of Raw? I think it
0: again. Like keep in mind, I'm still reeling from like some of the the worst Raws I've ever seen. Uh, less than a, a month ago, so I I think I'm still grading Raw on a bit of a curve. So I will say overall, it felt to me like a good above average episode of Raw with solid matchups. Not much happening in the way of storylines, but lately that certainly seems to be an advantage rather than a hindrance for the show. And that takes us to the New
1: Year's Day edition of SmackDown. This was taped Saturday in Pittsburgh. And it started with the New Day's New Year's celebration that consisted of Big E coming out as the New Year's baby.
0: Yeah, the New Year's baby. Uh,
1: They announced that all three are in the Royal Rumble in Phoenix. And Big E calls to all his freaks out there and starts to do the Scott Steiner
0: math promo that Xavier stops him from doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a reference that certainly pops uh, all the hardcores, you and I, everybody on Reddit. I'm I, i I'm curious to know what the reaction sounded like live. And I say curious because I don't even know if like I got the full brunt of like how like you pointed out the audio sweetening last week. I really noticed it this week. I don't know if it's just because you mentioned it or if like I was listening to the show on headphones. That's why maybe I was able to pick it up. But even for like this Steiner math promo, it was very apparent. Well, I, I didn't even notice that much cheers or applause for it even if it was like sweetened so i don't know i wonder
1: i just thought throughout these shows i mean it's it's very evident when there's taped shows of you know where they are throwing in things that are not getting these level of reactions
0: but on this episode i thought it was so obvious because like they would even be on like anytime somebody made a joke like in the john cena promo they would put like a laugh track on it to the point where it almost sounded like a sitcom and um like they would even cut to audience shots that were clearly like pre-taped or like taken from other portions of 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 like maybe not even the show i don't know but like they they seem like a little out of place and and kind of the reactions were almost like too fast anyway
1: they mentioned winning the rumble to challenge for the wwe title or the universal title which is booed and they joke that they're not even sure that guy would show up anyway and kofi goes on a rant stating he's been showing up for 11 years and hasn't got a title shot And their New Year's resolution, according to their doctors, is no more eating pancakes. But Big E starts sneaking pancakes out of his hat, out of his diaper, and then throws them into the crowd. Kofi then states he's going to buy a yellow car, and he ends up explaining the plot to Bumblebee. Then Xavier does the same for the Bird Box movie. And then they're just there to tee up the next match involving Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy with the winner getting the final spot in tonight's five-way match to determine the number one contender.
0: I guess the New Day for this month certainly are in a role where, you know, they they don't have really any existing tag team program. Um, and thus, you know, they're gearing up for the Rumble. And that means just if you want them on TV, they're going to be in more of this hosting role. Um They've kind of created a thing now where they can get away with almost anything, even if their jokes don't really land. There's a bit of a charm to the way they react to them. However, for me, I thought this was certainly bordering on too much, too much, too many, like, um, obscure pop culture references that I thought really had no point to them. Um, But again, watch Bird Box. Even if I did, like, what was the joke? What was the joke here? That was it. They were referencing a movie. That was it. Hey, this movie exists, basically, is what they said. So I didn't think it was all that clever. Um, I feel personally that I think a certain demographic is already turning on them. But I will say the fact that they can all wrestle and they continue to have, like, really hot matches with the Usos, I think continues to keep them over with even your most critical fan base.
1: Yeah, I I think it's always going to come back to the new day of what is the ultimate goal you see of them. Like, this is a this is a five-year-old act that certainly has... A, they are in a solid position. There will always be a role for the New Day. The question is, is there more beyond this for any of the, the principal members, specifically Big E, I, I think that you look at, that is it just going to be
0: this role forever for this guy? Is that such a bad thing, though? Because you risk ruining what this is if that fails. Yeah, they may be
1: listen i think they very much enjoy this role they must sell a strong amount of merchandise maybe this is just fine they get to come to work they probably have a blast each time they travel together maybe this is all you want maybe that is maybe if you were a road dog and billy gunn being part of dx was that was your your zenith point you didn't need to worry about anything beyond that um you know it's not to me stale um but it's also sometimes it does feel long in the tooth at certain points as well. So I think it kind of depends on what the segment is. And I I do see more with Big E. And I would say that if I didn't, I would probably be more resigned to just look at this act for what it is. He needs a segment with Vince. That would be some segment. Yeah. Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe. Joe rolled for a knee bar and... Probably watched the the Ryan Hall submission of BJ Penn. Did you see that?
0: I did catch that. Yeah. Ooh, beautiful! What a
1: what a great submission. Might have been the best submission of the year. <laughs> oh, you mean all, all of last year? Wow. Of last year, yes. Wow. Yeah, that that would have been funny if I was just talking about a day old submission. <laughs> um, Joe takes over after the break. He nailed Hardy with this reverse elbow. Hardy comes back, twist of fate, goes for the swanton, but Joe rolls to the floor. Hardy follows him, and he gets caught with the Coquina Clutch. It's like, what an idiot. And Joe just rolls into the ring. Hardy breaks the count. The Coquina Clutch is reapplied, and Hardy passes out.
0: I'll tell you what was weird. Was that, like... Okay, so Samoa Joe was clearly going for, you know, the No Mercy special. Where, like, you attack your opponent on the floor and, and choke the him out cheap count out when yes. yeah so then he climbs back into the ring but the referee restarts the count and like craze was asking why he restarted the count byron ended up like mentioning oh because joe distracted him that's why he lost his count and he had to restart since when has that bit of rule you know referee continues the count right yeah, and the announcers even called him out on this. It's not as though they ignored it either. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a little confused by that. So Hardy, like, basically had more than... Hardy had a 20 count to, to come back up into the ring. He comes back in and then still gets choked out. So... Hardy looked like an idiot. Yeah. Though. I thought so, too. So they
1: recapped Styles attacking uh, Vince last week. And then Vince is with Shane. Vince loves Samoa Joe being in the fatal five-way styles walks in and he's like giving vince the evil eye he's like looking out to the this was so weird he came across to me like a little child that was upset at his dad for taking his ball away last
0: week it was it was it was strange yeah considering these two had a physical altercation last week that segment was weird dude yeah it was weird I mean, in hindsight, like especially considering the follow up, because like I think, for me, like if I see two people fight like that, the next time that they're they see each other, I I feel like things should be a lot more tense than than they were here. You know, Vince did not like look scared at all. In fact, like he looks proud that he was able to manipulate AJ into being this way. I just feel like um, Vince looking so calm here to me made AJ look a little bit weak, like. Vince looking very smug that he was just ma- manip- manipulating this guy. And then even a punch from AJ is really nothing to be bothered by. Like imagine if the headbutt from Kevin Owens, you know, that was delivered. And the next week, like Kevin Owens walks into a room with Vince, who's just like looking at him without with completely calm, a calm demeanor.
1: AJ threatens to do it again. So the real tough guy in the room, Shane stands up to him and he has to be stopped by Vince. And Vince wants to see the real AJ again.
0: Yeah, the real muscle, Shane McMahon.
1: Great. Fresh match,
0: too. Yeah, Shane and AJ, yeah.
1: We also introduced, did you notice these uh, these graphics that they did for both nights to promote the city they were in? They did it for Detroit, and they did it for Pittsburgh.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. These sort of, like, more stylistic shots with, like, the name of the city. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how that flies when they go to... Omaha, Nebraska. Was this... I mean, is this part of the Fresh Start initiative? Was this what was missing? Was this the reason the ratings... You know
1: what everyone's tuning out for? They don't know where the hell we are. Yeah. Then we had Caleb Braxton welcome Rusev and Lana. Rusev just cut a whole promo about being the champion. It's going to be long and luscious like his beard. He'll defend the title against everyone. He smells like a bacon-flavored cinnamon bun. And then started a Rusev Day USA chant until Nakamura attacked him from behind. Lana tried to stop him and got uh, landed upon by Nakamura after Rusev hit a machka kick. And Lana's injured. Rusev's checking on
0: her. And then he takes a Kinshasa. I think this was the segment where I really noticed the laugh track. Because, like, Rusev was telling me... Th- this no, stuff was-, was dying. It was so obvious these lines like- were dying these jokes are really bad like there was like one week where he started doing them where i felt like they were kind of charming but like the past several ones have just been like again weird for the sake of being weird and they, they just to me like they would clearly confuse anybody watching it and the fact that they piped in this like sitcom style laugh track underneath all of this made it sound incredibly artificial uh it's so weird to me how lana is not allowed to talk anymore like, it's like they replaced her with, like, a cardboard stand-up or something. It It, it is very jarring because we know she has so much personality. So, uh, I you know, I wonder kind of what the intent is beyond, you know, getting Rusev to talk more. But I like the angle. You know, I feel like I hate that they've reduced Lana to such a stereotypical kind of damsel in distress role. But I think, you know, it's, it's your pretty simple classic angle. And I thought it was done rather effectively here. It gives a good reason for Rusev to get revenge. Sonia DeVille took on Naomi. It was
1: supposed to be Mandy Rose, and she revealed she was wearing an Usos t-shirt to Naomi because she's trying to move in on Jimmy. Sonia then attacks her with Naomi distracted by her shirt, and they've switched opponents on Naomi. Naomi just takes Neville down, Neville takes DeVille down uh, with a kick, and then Rose shows Naomi a photo of her in a towel that she sent to Jimmy, that is put on the big screen, and this causes Sonia Deville to hit her version of the Show Kai for the win at
0: 2:22. Was that what that was supposed to be? Because instead, I think it, so. What it looked like to me was like the exact DDT counter someone would do to get out of a vertical suplex.
1: I watched it twice because I thought that Sonia, like, spiked herself on her head. That's
0: what uh, it looks exactly like. Exactly
1: what you said. It looks like Naomi counters it with a DDT, but I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a Shotenkai.
0: Well, it, to me, it was very confusing if you've ever seen that other spot. Um,
1: when, maybe when Ronda is going to watch the Tanahashi match this week. Um, well, I don't even know if Goto in the gauntlet is going to get to do the Shotenkai, so maybe um, Sonia can watch a different Goto match. Go back to... Uh, some of his uh previous
0: matches. I, I you know, I know this is another angle involving a woman. The you know, uh next to the 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 Lana Russo angle that that um t- to me feels kind of cliche and in this case maybe even a little bit trashy, but I I liked it. I thought it connected with, you know, the audience very easily and again gives the babyface a ton of reason to seek revenge. So, what do you think?
1: Uh it, it came across fine. I think the audience reacted to it. Um I thought Corey Graves was was a
0: little creepy at times. It's the character, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, at this point he's gonna kind of test the limits of, of, um, of what's tasteful.
1: But I think there's a role for this. Yeah. Um I, I think that they've um they have kind of uh experimented with this on on impact wrestling. Um trying to have like one character that is kind of the like the the sexual female that is Pushing all those buttons, so there's a role for it. Um, Randy Orton cut a promo, Ray cut a promo, and Mustafa Ali all cut promos about uh, the five way tonight. Ali stating that he wants to be the heart of SmackDown after he beat Daniel Bryan.
0: Of and, all the promos, of all the promos that we saw for the main event, by the way, I loved them. I thought, you know, anytime you have like promos leading up to a main event, I think it's it's a positive thing for a TV show. But Ali, I thought, was the best of all of them. I'm so happy to see the WWE place him so seamlessly into the mix with your main eventers like Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton. And in-ring and also like even on the mic, he looks like he belongs right there with them. Uh, So, you know, over these past several weeks, I think we've kind of understated exactly how big of a push Ali seems to be receiving right now.
1: John Cena came out with a new terrible You Can't Stop Me shirt. This might have been made in the last
0: 10 minutes before his segment. It's pretty bad. I would say made even worse with that hair. Like he you, na- he now just... This, this hair, he looks old. Yeah, it makes him look old. I mean, certainly with, you know, a bit of a bald spot in the back too, but I think it's... It looks gross because it looks like an old man dressed as a seven-year-old who typically John Cena can kind of get away with with the hat and shaved head, but like imagine like your dad dressing up as like, like a elementary school kid.
1: Yeah. This hair, he acknowledges that he thinks it's a good idea. So he clearly has gotten lots of negative feedback to it. But yeah, I just think this guy, just his hair, he's aged like 10 years. Like John Cena is 40 years old, might be 41 now, but has never come across like a 40 year old. Now he does, even though he's still got the rip physique. Um, yeah, the hair really does age him, I found.
0: Maybe he's he trying can't... out
1: for like older roles. Um, Very well could be. Though I, I would think for a lot of, well, we, we will see based on the roles that he does have coming up. I am surprised he is going to be filming a movie fairly soon. That I am surprised he is doing wrestling matches a month out from filming.
0: Yeah, Yeah. he recuperates fast.
1: He he recaps his year, bought a ticket for WrestleMania, his personal life played out in front of the whole world, which he says was what it was, wrote a children's book, lived in China for six months, mentions his hair, which did get some booze, and he doesn't know why he's here, but he knows that some man is going to walk down here in 30 seconds, cut a promo on him, and says that they're going to make him leave WWE faster than Nikki Bella left him. So asks who it will be. And it's not any man. It's the man, Becky Lynch, that comes out. And she says she aimed to surpass not just Charlotte, but also Cena, who's been on the marquee for 16 years. And it's time for someone new to fill his shoes. And if you have a problem with that, Nikki Bella won't be the only woman to drop you this year. And... Someone put up a clip of this, the night of the tapings, and you could see it got, like, a good reaction. And it was, like, you know, a clever line. But the fact that you had John Cena, like, used the punchline two minutes before, I thought totally undercut the big line here. No, I agree. Yeah. He totally took any zing out of it. It's like you did your own, the big punchline of your own diss track. You, you kind of absorbed it already. So it lacked any punch to me that... You know, for this, you know, you think of a promo, structuring it like a match. You don't do uh, a kick out out of the finish two minutes before it's the actual finish.
0: Well, we know he's uh, he's great at, I think, deflecting criticism, right? Or at least taking it in stride. Maybe this was his way of, I don't know, showing that you can't hurt him with words.
1: Well, uh, Andrade, Cien Almas, and Zelina interfered and said that they were. Interrupting this testosterone-filled one-ups man chip. hmm Wow. Yikes. Says both are former champions. One's an old face. The other has a broken face. And Cena says those two are punching up outside of their weight class and challenges them to a tag match. So we got an impromptu mix-match challenge. Yeah. Your favorite. Becky went for a five-knuckle shuffle. Vega then came in, delivered a kick to Cena in the corner behind the referee's back. John Cena apparently is auditioning for the next back to the future remake, where he will be taking over Christopher Lloyd's uh, spot. His hair was all over the place. He looked ridiculous. It was amazing.
0: And I think uh, like Becky, I think initially even was one of the first people to tweet out a photo of John Cena at the end of this (laughs) taping, just with a ridiculous head of hair looking yeah looking like he's he'd been electrocuted uh it was it was quite funny
1: match continued and we had Vega awkwardly go up and Becky just slams her down almost made the save from the disarmer Cena came in he hit the he hit the five knuckle shuffle the aa and the lightning fist before Becky took Cena and dumped him to the floor Vega went for a roll up. It turned into the disarmor, and Vega
0: tapped out. He is like finishing with a lightning fist. Like that's the last move that he hits. It's not the AA. It's the lightning fist. And again, up until this point, like we really have not had much of an introduction to it, uh, on the English speaking side of things. Uh, you know, we, the, the announcers made mention of it, but I don't think it's a move that'll really attract that much, um, reaction live North America, at least not yet. um, I was a little disappointed in Becky's interactions with Zelina, but as a character, I think her confidence totally stood up to the huge star power of John Cena's in both of these segments—the talking and the and the in-ring—and I think that it, ultimately that's what really matters. I I found it quite amazing that you know, it, it's it's Becky that is the one being saved for the hot tag in a match where John Cena is making a big return. How often does that ever happen when I think you know the big celebrity making his his return? Is the one that is setting up the comeback for your established star and, and, and a female star, no less. So this whole this whole segment was built for Becky and not for Cena. Mm-hmm. You know, I I did really like the idea of teaming Becky and Cena up. It's not something I would have definitely I wouldn't have thought about. I think when you when you have John Cena on your on your on, a, on, a, on an episode, but to team him up with the hottest star you have on the show in a, in a mixed tag, I thought was really smart. Uh, again, you know, the match, especially when it comes to Becky and Zelina didn't really live up to my expectation. But as a character, I thought this was really great for her.
1: Yeah, I didn't even grade the the strength of this segment on the match. It was about Becky coming across as, and, you know, above John Cena. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of credit that you give to John Cena for being pretty unselfish in this kind of a role. Like he was, he was felt like the punchline in this whole segment that I would, I would even argue that I-, I wouldn't be necessarily putting John Cena in that role, but he did. And it was for the benefit of-, of Becky Lynch being perceived as the hot thing. And John Cena kind of the afterthought after.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're John Cena, like, I think you're so confident in your status that you, you can afford to, to be treated like this and know that the next day you're still John Cena. Right. The Miz
1: met with Shane McMahon in his office, and he goes over some artwork for their look. And he's got these drawings of Shane and Miz in matching Miz gear in trunks. There was a very funny line where it's showing Shane shirtless and in shorts and asking, is that Goldberg's body? And Miz says, you've got a way better body than Goldberg. And Miz starts envisioning more ideas as Shane walks off. I thought this was a very funny segment.
0: It was funny. It was cute. Wasn't it? I liked it.
1: Oscar's with her women's title meets with uncle Paul. And he asks, who do you feel deserves a shot? I like how the whole part of this new WWE was that nothing is going to be given title shots will be earned. And here we have Hunter asking the champion, who do you feel like facing? And then we got the roll call of potential challengers. Charlotte appeared. She wants the title match. Carmella comes in, stating she beat Charlotte and Oscar this year, and then Becky walks in, stating I'm the only option. Hunter is going to take all three under advisement.
0: Yeah, so Hunter, I guess it like I was. He's in charge of SmackDown as well. Um, anyway, I thought Oscar Asuka, Oscar's delivery was like really cringeworthy here. You know, it's like that kind of weird over-enunciation that just kind of makes her look a bit more like somebody crazy rather than, I think, the intimidating champion. I mean, if she's going for crazy, I guess it's fine, but it's never really been stated in the character itself. Um, anyway. I don't know what angle she's
1: going for, but... Yeah, it's... I, I think she's just trying to stand out. I th- I don't know if it's necessarily... Um... A concerted direction but when she's doing promos I think she's just trying to be different which she is and I guess we'll see if it's uh, working or not but um, yeah I imagine they'll set up some kind of three-way for TV and then you could either do well someone gets to win or you did the disputed finish and you get I don't know I can't see them doing a four-way with all these women when you have a rumble to promote
0: it's hard for me to see that too Um, like if I had to pick any, any single person I think I would go with Charlotte because I think Becky's big spot that night is in the Rumble. And we know Carmella is number 30 as well. That's right. Carmella's in the Rumble regardless. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Final match of the night was the Fatal 5-Way. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, Mustafa Ali, and Rey Mysterio. And we had Brian showing in the back, which was his only appearance on the show. He didn't get any promo time this week. And I don't think that you necessarily have to have him on every week. The show had enough. Yep. Um, so that was his lone appearance.
0: Mysterio, him on commentary would have been nice, though, for this.
1: Yeah. I didn't enjoy... um Not so much him, but Graves with him was a little bit much for me that last time. So I don't know. I'm kind of cooling it on Corey Graves at the moment. Rey Mysterio nearly overshot Joe for the seated senton. And they mentioned that this was the first time AJ and Ray have ever been in a match together. And I looked this up and I could not find any other time that they were together in a match. And when you think about it, their paths would have crossed briefly at the end of WCW when AJ was doing the Air Raid tag team. And I guess on the independent scene in 2000, well, Ray was there with WWE until 2015, I believe, early 2015, and... Styles was still doing independence in 2015, so maybe they would have been on some shows together um, that year. But that's kind of the only chances they would have had. So this, that's kind of historic that you have AJ and Ray in the ring together for the first time. Completely.
0: like I, I thought it was so incredible that these two that we at this point think of legends have, have never even been in the same ring, or at least to our knowledge, have never had a match together. So. I assume
1: there maybe would have been something along... It, maybe, just maybe, some maybe the
0: rumble or something if you count that i don't know something like that but i think that's a matchup that's big enough for mania so man i i i you know if neither of these two have opponents coming up please serve that for me because i think yeah. a- aj wasn't aj wasn't in, in the rumble
1: last year so when when ray was one of the the mystery entrants so they wouldn't have even been in that together
0: okay well there you go man but God, sign me right up, Ray Mysterio versus AJ Styles. I thought we, you know, we didn't really get that much of it here, but I think just simply like the two of them even touching. I saw the clouds part when that happened. Styles went for a
1: phenomenal forearm to Ali, but was stopped with Joe yanking his leg. Ali hit a Topekan hero onto Joe and Ray off the apron and then uh, followed with a seated senton to Orton. And then we had Ray and Mustafa Ali in the ring. They shook hands and they had a great sequence together. Ali did a backflip off the top, ran back up, and hit Ray with a Spanish fly. And then we had Ali go for the 054 to Joe, missed it. He's put into the Coquina clutch. It's broken with a 619. Then he hits another to Ali. Orton pulls Ray to the floor. There's an RKO delivered to Ali. Ray makes the save with a springboard leg drop, a 619 to Orton. But then Joe takes Ray to the floor, is hit with a Rana from Ray, and Styles. Comes out of nowhere with the springboard 450 as Randy Orton is still prone in the ring and Styles pins him. So the Animal is going to the Royal Rumble to challenge Daniel Bryan. This is
0: a great main event. I love this match, uh, especially for a TV match. I absolutely loved it. I think my first great match of 2015 or sorry 2019. Um, you know, it's, is it? Could this be your best year ever with a start like this? Sir, sure. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure on uh, Friday. We'll we'll have many more contenders for that but this was a great tv match uh it's hard for me to recall a more exciting multi man match or on raw or smackdown in recent uh months over the past year so you know when you look at the the roster of participants in this match alone ray aj samoa joe mustafa ali even uh, i'd put even randy orton in there in certain parts how could this not be good it wasn't a long match but i thought it totally delivered ali mustafa ali was given a tremendous showcase here they did a great job of establishing dream matches to come. Him with paired with Rey Mysterio felt very special. They milked that moment with the two of them in the ring. Rey versus AJ is is a dream match that I hope, you know, gets a lot more uh attention from the audience and demand from the audience. If I have any criticism it's that, you know, I feel like I had trouble feeling like AJ, AJ's character had changed at all. Certainly like, you know, there's a bit more aggression. I think people are selling a bit more for him, but beyond that, I didn't notice much noticeable a, a difference in ring between his style last week and this week you know or, or two weeks ago and this week so but you know that said by be, by giving him big wins like this i think they'll effectively communicate that there's something different about him
1: yeah i i enjoyed smackdown more than i did raw this week um mm-hmm. i just I'm, I'm more interested in some of the programs i think they've done a very good job thus far with mustafa ali and yeah great main event and just uh, more more interesting programs for me on the SmackDown side and even the way that they handled uh, Becky Lynch and John Cena. It's very typical that you will have a returning star and you throw out uh, the the main roster performer to be the punchline and mm-hmm. come off weaker. And in this case, it was a 180 from that mindset where Becky is the priority and she's going to get over at the expense of John Cena.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe I was just on a high from this main event, but I I. I I came out of SmackDown really enjoying the show. I enjoyed the storytelling and almost all of the angles that they set up. Like you said, great Cena-Becky segment. And I thought a wonderful main event. So uh, i recommend this main event, certainly. And then maybe some of the stuff. Uh, the main event on Raw, I thought the Apollo's Crew stuff was interesting as well. Did they announce anything for next week's SmackDown? I don't think they did. I don't remember. Yeah, we got a bunch for Raw, but I don't C- think anything C- for C- SmackDown. C- they said Cena's on Raw next week.
1: Seen as on Raw. Yes. Yeah. Maybe on SmackDown they will be reacting to the all elite wrestling announcement. Oh, yeah. Maybe Miz will invite them to come on Miz TV. Um,
0: did they announce that? No. Nothing even no, there, right? No, no. Uh, we do have some feedback. Yes. I've got it up here. Our polls for the night.
1: I've got to vote on this. I'm going to lower the average, I bet. Raw got a 4.89. Mm-hmm. SmackDown. What am I gonna vote here? Got a 7.5. Okay. So strong win for SmackDown. Yeah. Alright, let's go through these. Uh we have a few essays here, so I'm gonna skim. Anthony from Melbourne. I think we all know throwing McMahon's at everything to fix it won't work in 2019, but when I thought it couldn't get any worse by altering the biggest baby face on SmackDown, AJ's character. SmackDown's character into what I thought could be the return of the dreadful Pitbull, they messed with Raw's biggest babyface in Seth. I've heard they want edgier characters, and AJ might not have had the most eventful 2018, but I don't think if you're trying to improve the product in an era where where it's hard to get true babyfaces over, you should be messing with those characters. All these changes have also led to hard holes to fill. There are no automatic rematches, but there's a tag team title rematch next week. We listened to the fans, but the crowd wanted a Dean-Seth title match so badly with Hunter in the ring, and yet Seth
0: didn't even get an opportunity in the Battle Royal. Um, I, ads I, here. Yeah. Well, I think he brings up a good point in that, like, I don't know how much of, like, um Raw and SmackDown's maybe, you know, poor showings this this past several months have been due to, like, us being dissatisfied at how AJ and Seth have been characterized. I think as characters, they've been fine. And any type of, like, attempt to, like, make them unleash the animal within them, to me, just feels like it's kind of missing the point. Like, we just want to see them in strong storylines with big wins. They don't have to have show a more aggressive side. Um, so, it's, to me, kind of interesting to see where they're putting their attention. You're up. Okay, we go to PJ, who says, I thought Raw was alright, I skipped the useless stuff. The main issue I have is that they call Fresh Start having matches with forgotten empty characters who cared about gender and the sings versus rhino and slater have they forgotten how to build and rebuild characters so that we care about them the main event was all right battle Royal was watchable uh was enjoyable May- smackdown was really fun i love the in- interaction between becky and john and i love the main event i'm also glad to see carmella still in the title picture chris from queensland australia did not watch raw but he goes on to say
1: that smackdown was quite good i really enjoyed biggie's attempt at steinermath Honestly, enjoyed the passing
0: of the torch moment between John Cena and Becky Lynch. Brandon from Oshawa. SmackDown was a really solid show tonight. I read the spoilers and was debating on if I was going to watch tonight or tomorrow, knowing that Becky was going to be knowing what Becky was going to be doing, sold me on watching tonight. She's phenomenal in every situation she is in right now, and I really hope they don't fuck this up with her. What I do think they are going to fuck up is the new day. Those guys feel so stale to me right now. Even the Mock Steiner promo didn't seem to hit with that audience. Most of them probably didn't get it at all. If the WWE wants to freshen things up, they either need to let these guys stay together, go after singles gold, or just break them up already. David George
1: from the Philippines. Raw was good, not the best. The only thing curious about this is the fresh start angle. Having matches with redundant, over-reliant characters, when will it improve? Mahal with the Sings versus Rhino and Slater? What a waste of time. They should win, at least. I just hope the revival will win next week. Nevertheless, same shit, different day. Main event was good. Battle Royale was applaudable, but enjoyable. And he asks, I haven't seen Shelton Benjamin for days now. Is he going to be a champion anytime soon? Did we... Did
0: we not not oh I guess he didn't watch SmackDown, but yeah. I so missed I miss Shelton Benjamin's New Year's resolution. So what was it, way? He was in one of those like New Year's resolutions, uh um backstage things where at the end of like all of them, like everybody did ones before him, he comes up into the screen and says, uh like he basically calls New Year's resolutions bullshit, the music stops, and then he tears down the set. Oh, how did I miss this? I don't know. It's online. You'd care to yeah. see it. Okay. So I mean I don't I know I don't know like what they're planning for Shelton Benjamin, but if they're going to plan these fresh starts, I consider him a character that is certainly underutilized. And I think any type of character they give to Shelton, even if it's just kind of like, you know, old old man who hates people that have fun. I I love it. So uh please more of this Shelton Benjamin. My turn. We go to Adam from oakville who says a rare live watch of a taped episode allowing me to post feedback for the first time uh i really enjoyed smackdown live tonight and not just the bell curve of a dreadful few weeks of programming in the past month aside from the terrible new year's resolution segments i thought the show moved well featured great in-ring work and built reasons to care for each matching segment the one thing that bothered me is that i really hoped that the reason to care about a match in the women's division wasn't by propping itself up on a jealous wife gimmick i know mandy rose might not be a Ready to carry the kind of storyline a Becky or Charlotte could, but the women's division, especially on SmackDown Live, is so beyond needing to leverage itself on women fighting over men. That being said, when I look at the prospect of 2019 for women's wrestling in WWE and think back to years past, it is encouraging to see how the women have taken the ball and knocked it out of the park. Imagine back being back prior to 2014 and being told that both Raw and SmackDown would be giving airtime and closing shows with the women. Not only that, but featuring storylines on each brand, including in-ring segments built properly through backstage scenes. One question, how seriously do you think the WWE is or would consider bringing back one-on-one intergender matches? And if so, how far away would that be? Personally, I can't see them doing it anytime soon, and I don't believe the women's division needs it per se, but it was just so inf refreshing and interesting and exciting to see the Becky scene interactions that I had to think to myself if there was a person who could do it and make it a success it would be this this incarnation of Becky Lynch I don't
1: see them doing any intergender matches anytime soon
0: I don't see it either I think this is the compromise that they've found is is by kind of stepping their feet into the inter uh, kind of a mixed ta- mixed match challenge types of matches but as far as you know um, full-on I'll tell you what a eclipse I saw of, uh, recently was the uh, the Pentagon versus um, Stardom um, team from Lucha Underground. From Lucha Underground, God, that match looked that match was amazing, and and there's no way that they they will do anything close to it uh, ever on WWE. Team.
1: I I watched that episode of Lucha Underground, and I I did not enjoy it as much as everyone else did. I I thought it was really like brutal in the sense that it was like a full out Pentagon junior violent match with these three women. And, yeah. and with, I, I, with, with,
0: with Kairi saying, uh, Mayu, Iwatani and Io Shirai.
1: Io Shirai. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was also an episode of Lucha Underground. That was one of their least viewed episodes of that season. And I don't know if that was uh, necessarily the match was a turnoff to people. Cause it was also a fairly lengthy match as well. but, I mean, it's going to work for some people. I just know in that instance with, with that particular match, it was – I just didn't get into it. Um, well, but others did. Yeah, others really enjoyed that.
0: I think so, so much of it depends on sort of what the public's perception of professional and understanding of what professional wrestling is. I think the, fa- the reason that, you know, intergender matches can work so well on the indie scene, you know, where your audiences uh, are probably a lot more educated about and regard pro wrestling as more of a, I think, you know, scripted art form. Much in the same way as, you know, maybe they see it as two musicians getting together to create a a wonderful piece of music. Rather Mm -hmm. than, I think, the public perception of what wrestling is, you know, for a lot of people, it's still just, like, violence. Um, I think it takes maybe, you know, several years for that, perhaps that sophistication to kind of reach the mainstream before we, we probably even consider it.
1: All right. Our final one. Someone who has found us in 2019. Brandon from New Jersey. My friends, I'm back. Did you miss me? I know my pal, Way Tizzle, has. What's cracking, man? (laughs) It's been some time. (laughs) Gang. (laughs) Ha ha. Oh, my, my. December has been busy, my guys. You don't even know the half, man. Thanks for asking, Way. Yeah, ups was bananas this year. Anywho, we are really here for... UPS,
0: UPS, I think he means. Is
1: he a UPS driver? Oh, UPS, okay. I, I have no idea how Brandon is planning to have me interpret this. Whether Brand, Brandon, I'm sure we're going to meet... or
0: Bananas or I'm sure, UPS. We're going to meet Brandon this year. Um, we I'm will. Sure, at Mania. And I, I want to... We'll record a conversation with him to see how he compares to this.
1: Anywho, we are really here for Les Smackdown. It was grand, man. That show is a breeze, bro. Like you can't go wrong watching that show. Is he trying to rhyme? I had fun. That's his feedback to SmackDown. Meanderings. AEW signings. Will they book Stephen Amell Strong or will they use him as enhanced talent? Was John he, Cena's. Was, was he announced? Uh, no, he was not. Yeah. John Cena's mixed match challenge match looked like an infomercial for Sky Vodka. This point is simply two words way, why. Greg Hardy co-main eventing a show in Brooklyn might be worse than the John Jones fiasco. Unbelievable, eh, Joe Po? Tell Jordan Breen I said hi, spelled H-I-G-H, when you do the year-end MMA show and my return to Sherdog sure is imminent. I'm out of here. Peace. Thank you, Brandon.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. I didn't think he could be
1: more entertaining than his calls, but reading his emails have really gone to a new height
0: or a new low, depending on your interpretation. Well, I'm glad you got it this week. Uh, any update on that MMA year-in-review show? Yes, it will be coming
1: out next week. Uh, we are doing the show on Monday.
0: So it will be out... What day we,
1: should we put that out way?
0: It's up to you. Like, Do you have any other MMA-related shows coming up? Next n- Next week, we are doing the MMA
1: year-in-review panel with Jordan Breen, Cody Safdick, and Mike Bond. And later that week we are doing the annual prediction show with Ariel Hawani. So I will be looking back and then looking forward. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, that, I'll leave that up to you. Okay. Well, pay attention to the schedule. They will both be dropping next week. So stay tuned for those, but that's going to wrap up the show. Once again, we have two editions of up next coming out one Thursday, one Saturday with Braden and Davey going through their best and worst of NXT for the past year. We will also have our live Wrestle Kingdom post show on Friday morning after Wrestle Kingdom concludes. If you're a double double ice cap or espresso member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can stream this show live with us. And if not, it will be available to all of our patrons on Friday. So you can sign up postwrestlingcafe.com. That gives you access to that show, to rewind away on Sunday, and our entire archive of bonus shows from the past year you can have in an instant.
0: Yeah. Next week we're even talking to Avengers with Brent, so that's look, right. Looking forward to that.
1: So lots uh, to come in January if you're signing up for the Post Wrestling Cafe, and then we'll have a free show Saturday after New Year. Dash. Dash. I was just waiting for you on that one. Yeah. And then Sunday night there is a Homecoming pay per view, so me and Nate are going to Homecoming together. Well, great. I hope it's you. Exciting uh, stuff.
0: Yeah, I hope you. Hope you're prepared for whatever
1: happens. Well, I know you will be listening, Way. I cannot promise that Way will be watching this pay-per-view, but I'm sure he'll be listening to us. So, in the meantime, go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com to sign up, and anything else, Way, as we kick off 2019.
0: I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but I can't think of it now, so that's it.
1: Is it 2019 or 2019?
0: Who the hell says 2019? Some people do. I go
1: 2019.
0: Yeah, I would do 2019 or 2019. I don't even do that. Yeah, i do 2019. Who says 2019? What about 2019?
1: Do you go that way? Or 219, some do? I don't do that.
0: 2019. I'm a strictly 2019 guy.
1: Okay. Leave us your results and the feedback, everybody. How do you pronounce this here? Good night. Goodbye. We'll speak with you on Friday.